the Shoeless Joe's podcast, soon to be the podcast heard around the world. Well, a lot of things shook up in the sports world last week, and here's the podcast where we bring it all to you. All the news, the NBA finals have been going down, the Yankees got past the first round after our last podcast, and um, we've got a little debate on this episode. We got a little uh, fiery back and forth that we haven't done often. Yeah. A lot, a lot of our, a lot of our uh, conversations have been have ended with uh, "I agrees" and we move on to the next. But um, what do you think, Mike? What are you thinking about this? We, we we've heard from the fans. They said that they wanted to see more debate. Um, and like, <laughs> like like we said, if you guys come with us, to come to us with suggestions, we're gonna we're gonna follow through. So we have a nice little Shout debate on this podcast about um the the two the two quarterbacks in New York who are not good. So Josh Allen's out of the um, but before that, we have to get to some NBA Finals action. Last episode, we gave you our preview of the finals, but now we're underway. Um, and it's been a I can't even. I was gonna say it was an interesting couple of games so far, but that'd be a lie. Um, three games have been played. <laughs> the Lakers have won two. <laughs> the Heat won Game Three despite missing Bam and Drogic. Um, how do you? How would you? First of all, how would you compare this level in, of engagement that you yourself or fans have had with this Finals to other Finals? And where do you think the series goes from here after the Lakers being up two one? Um, it's interesting because the last game I watched, um. You know, normally in an NBA Finals game, with a you'd have a full arena. You'd have, you know, the crazy fans who come to the arena, stand outside and, you know, go wild, tailgating, not even getting in to the arena. Um, but it was weird. I was watching the game um, in Game 3, or the Heat one, and um, if you looked into the crowd when they would pan to it, it they, they just had empty seats there, which I thought was like, I thought had probably never before been seen uh, in an NBA Finals, um, maybe back when the Celtics were playing, and nobody was a real big fan of that Bill Russell guy. But now there's like no, like it was it was empty, and it was I think it might have been a Heat home game. Like it it looked bad. But um, when the Lakers went up 2-0, it looked extremely commanding. I mean, the people were all over the news saying this is a foregone conclusion. We thought the Heat maybe get one game, but. Now, now it looks like they can't do anything. They couldn't stop Anthony Davis, especially who obviously. No, got, I was gonna say, especially like what you were saying is like what a lot of people were thinking, especially when Bam and Drogic went down. But oh yeah, 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 those are two big factors for the Heat that um you know we needed to win. They needed to win. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say wow. we. Not a Heat bandwagon. My phone, my phone, my phone, my phone, my phone, my phone, my phone. Chill, chill, chill. But um. Uh, but I will say we for the Lakers because I am a LeBron stand. I think that's I think that's and, a bit out of bit, out of bounds as well. I don't <laughs> think you can do that as I as I stare at my next flag. I was as you stare at your Knicks <laughs> flag. Uh, God bless the Knicks, but also God bless LeBron James, and God has blessed LeBron James. But uh, last game he did look kind of um, you know out of sorts. However. The the Lakers did look commanding, and then this game, Jimmy Butler came out and had a forty point triple double. And not only did he score forty points, but he shot over seventy percent, which is like never before seen in the finals. Um, so with the Heat winning this one game, what do you think that means for the rest of the series? I I think that like the Lakers kind of they did the same thing with Denver, and obviously they won that series. But um, with the chirping when they get up and they get confident, and like. 
if any team is the wrong team to do that to, it's the Miami Heat right now. Um, especially like we 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 don't even know LeBron to like to talk shit on the court. Like that's not something that we are usually accustomed to with him. And like right. I guess based on his fourth quarter performance, we see why. Um, because <laughs> that like you can't you can't do that and then follow through with that kind of performance. Um, and like I just think that. Ha- if that is true, like what do you have to Jimmy Butler? Like having them look like fired up is a scary thing because if they did that without Bam and Drogic, it if they can get to full health, maybe they can do something here. Um, I doubt it. I think like just because with Bam and Drogic out, it's so many more touches for everybody else that it allowed Jimmy to go crazy like that. Um, but I think like the without a crowd. That Le- like LeBron doing that gave them a little spark. Um, and will they be able to capitalize off it? I don't know, but we, we already know that the Heat are a very confident team. Like, we see Tyler Hero shoot six for 20 and still like stare into the camera like he just hit the game winning shot, but hit the big shots, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, their confidence doesn't waver. So, that's a, an underdog with a lot of confidence is a scary thing, especially we've seen LeBron kind of in these situations where things get really tense and in big moments, he kind of either defers or like i mean i'm not going to say like he folds because that's just not fair to lebron james and his greatness but mm-hmm. he's not there's there's moments when things get tense that he's not the same lebron that we know so it'll be interesting to see what this game does and i feel like game four will be really telling if miami jumps out the gates hot again how does how do the lakers respond um are you still sticking with your prediction of lakers in five um yeah i i, I was always going to give the heat you know, and I, I used the reasoning because they were so scrappy that they would get this game, um, at least one game in this series. Um, but what I noticed from last game was that there was like, it seemed the Lakers had shied away from their identity coming into the finals and how, um, you know, they would play bully ball and they would hit AD down there. Um, Anthony And Anthony Davis got into foul trouble early, um, so he was out of the game a lot. But um, I didn't, I, I didn't see a lot of minutes from Dwight, like, as many minutes as I thought I would see, especially with Bam being out, um, which I mean, I am just a mortal, but makes me question, you know, Frank Vogel and his decision making. I've I've never understood, unless you were playing, you know, the Golden State Warriors who will shoot the lights out of the gym. I've never really understood like when a team goes small ball, you matching up and going small ball with them, um, especially with a Heat team that can't really run you out the gym. They're just hardworking players. I think they're throwing – they're, like, throwing Andre Iguodala out there and Jay Crowder, who are great are great 3 and D guys, but, like, they aren't, like, you know, the fastest guys in the world who are going to just, like, put the pressure on you all the time. They do play well defensively, though. But um, not really, like, going down in the paint and getting those points in the paint. Uh, that Like, switching away from that identity, I think LeBron realized that. And um, when he stays up really late after the games, um, going over his material and watching film like he's been saying he's doing – uh, hopefully he sees that, and I mean, I assume they'll see that and start attacking the Heat where it hurts. I agree. I mean, I think a lot of their strategy was with Olenek was to stretch the floor and to pull Dwight out, Dwight out the paint just because it gives Jimmy that lane to the hoop as he's not the best three-point shooter. So I think that was a big... I mean, he did it every time. Right, so I think that was a big part of their plan. Um, and, like, I don't know. For me, like, I, I, want LeBron, I love LeBron, and I think that, I want him to reach the status where he's definitely the GOAT, just to say that we grew up watching LeBron James. But right. a lot of the things that he does, like the theatrics and stuff, a lot of it seems kind of like, I don't know, like... On GOAT-like. Or not genuine. And, like, he's kind of just doing it to, like, to like make it seem like... I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't think like you have to go out and be like, oh, like I'm watching film at like this hour the night, like trying to like get it's like it's like a little extra yeah, like putting the point across, like and like I don't know, like but we never seen that before with the zero dark uh, twenty three that he was doing before, you know. Right. Uh, but this playoffs, he decided not to do it. He's been posting all the time. Right. Um, so we're seeing a different LeBron James. I mean, it's it's, it's fitting though because of a whole different circumstance. But I mean, yeah. I really hope for his sake that he. That the Heat are in trouble. The Heat are in trouble. That the Heat are in trouble because, dude, if you God forbid LeBron James loses this series, finished. it's finished. It's, it's finished. He should retire the next season. Oh, he should. Um, There's no point in trying to win another. And I know a city where Anthony Davis can play. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think, like, I don't know. I know I, a big apple. The biggest. I know. I know a place where. Uh, well, you know, I know we're a place where Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma should be playing the rest of the playoffs, and that's uh, right next to Frank Vogel. So, I think if they want to win, that they might have to uh, shy away from playing Kuzma and Danny Green as much. But I mean, that's not going to happen because they're key to the rotation, regardless. So, but I mean, I, I see it on Twitter, and it's so funny, like the petition about Kuzma not getting a ring. And like, yeah, that's incredible. And Lakers are saying they're so mad. This is like his third year in the league. That's just so disrespectful to do that to a kid like that. But oh, well, not even a kid. He has been like four years at Utah. And his defense was like, I don't care. Like I dyed my hair blonde this year. Like, <laughs> what are you, yeah, what are you talking about? But, He's gotten it all. Oh man, and Danny Green needs to go back to Long Island. At, at Island Trees. Anyway, <laughs> it's not worth. <laughs> Isn't that the name of the oh, Island man. Gardens? That's the name of the place. Yeah, Island Gardens yeah. is the name of the place. Speaking of Hometown New York, reference. Speaking of New York basketball, <laughs> we have a we have a very very funny person to talk about. You know what we're talking about, Isaiah? I, I no, go ahead. Who are we talking? About? I don't want to say that name. Those, those people across the bridge. <laughs> no. uh, the Brooklyn, formerly the New Jersey Nets. Um. Yeah. Those. I mean, those two stars that were supposed to come to New York, you know, follow and then bring Zion in with number one pick, and then it all went wrong, and you all clowned us. Uh, you mean- well, now these clowns are making the headlines. <laughs> They're doing it for us. You love it. <laughs> I mean, I just well, if you guys aren't familiar with, well, as of the last couple of days, Kate, Katie, and Kyrie have been on a podcast tour, going everywhere. All these podcasts talking about their decision. Um, all platforms. It's it's funny because. Katie, Katie has spent the last year and a half explaining not why he went to the Nets, but why he didn't go to the Knicks, and I find that really funny because yeah. this. I mean, at this point, me, I don't want to see them succeed. Obviously, that's just that's just natural. <laughs> never did, never did since they became a thing. Never did, but um, unless they were wearing blue and orange. But uh, now, especially, I don't want to see them succeed. And I'm not, I'm not. I think that like if Katie like made his decision and he's like fine with it. I don't know why he has to go on to every podcast here and there talking about the Knicks. Um, I just think like you're a net now. Focus on building that. I mean, you got a new coach. You got the partnership that you have been have been wanting. So, with all the headlines that the team and the organization is making, you'd think that he'd be able to comment on some of that stuff without talking about uh, the team in MSG. But it 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 like it only furthers the Knicks for clicks and like the stigma with the Knicks and how you can say the Knicks are terrible and, and all you want, but there's, if we're that bad and if we're that unattractive, how could we be 
you know, spewing from the mouths of everyone who's ever talked about basketball. I mean, people talk about the every time a number one pick comes up, people are talking about the Knicks. Every time Zion was coming to the like, I've never seen more number one picks in a sport be put in a single uniform. <laughs> I've seen every number one pick in the last couple of years put in a New York Knicks uniform. And my favorite thing about this whole entire Photoshop, my whole entire like with these both these situations, like obviously it was like Zion. People clown the Knicks for getting Zion. I'm um, for not getting Zion, and. I was like, you, like it was you understand, like, it's just, like, literally, like, winning the lottery, right? Like, they don't, <laughs> and statistically speaking, they had a 50% chance of getting four or five, and they didn't. And if they got four, they, their, 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 what the, their pick would have been DeAndre Hunter or Darius Garland. Oh, so can you imagine how bad, much worse it could have been? And also, like, like, that's what I'm saying, the drop off in that draft. Oh, my Lord. And also, like, the KD Kyrie thing, like, KD and Kyrie never said they were coming to the Knicks. Everything that, to tie that together was done by the media. They were like, they're the ones saying it's like a hundred percent. It's like a done deal. We're 95% sure. And then clown Knicks fans for believing every media report that was put out. Like, I mean, I get it. Cause it's like an easy thing to do, but also like, you can't, you can't like clown Knicks fans and look at them as like, Oh, like they're unrealistic. They're this, they're that. When yeah. you, you literally perpetuated that whole situation. I mean, through percentages on it, bro. Like you can't, like you can't, you can't say not, you insane. like Stephen A. Smith can't be on first take saying ninety five percent, like yeah, throwing that, that around and then like, coming in and getting mad. It's yellow. It's yellow journalism. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's fine though. It comes, it comes with the territory. And like we always, like me and Isaiah always say, one one day when when we're in, when we're both in our retirement homes and the next turn it around, I'll be ready. Oh, dude, I, I'm, dude, oh, I'm going on the fly his flag. I'm going on a revenge tour when the Knicks are good again. Oh, my God. Revenge tour in your wheelchair. Run down not that anything, not that I'm wishing anything bad on you. I'll knock on wood real quick. Quite Michael J. Fox. <laughs> oh, all right. So, but yeah, back to, um, back to, poor Michael J. Fox. Um, but yeah, back to Great like movie. Kyrie and KD being absolutely insane. Uh, Kyrie, we knew about, you know, the, the flat earther him making headlines for just being so outspoken. Um, he went live on IG the other day and was calling himself an artist. And I, I'm not the kind of guy who says, you know, people have to be one dimensional or whatnot, but in the prime of your career, um, I would assume you'd identify um, as a basketball player, you know, and that'd be foremost on your mind. Wouldn't want that from my star player um, calling himself an artist uh, in the midst of the prime of his career in his second year with my team. Uh, that's like if Michael Beasley was our best player and this guy was still painting his fingernails. I mean, um, point. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the best scorer. He was the best scorer, never the best the player. Left-handed Carmelo Anthony, he called himself. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no, dude, I, the Kyrie thing is so funny because he literally went on Instagram Live talking about, oh, like, we were not the reason that Kenny Atkinson got fired, but also, like, he also used to want us to run sprints and stuff, and I don't want to run sprints. Like not exactly what he said, yeah, like, along those lines. Good. And it's just like, like if you like, that's my thing. If you if you didn't want Kenny Atkins in there, like you can't like I don't really say it, obviously, but like trying to own it, like like own it less, like a little bit more than you're doing right now, because like I just why I think they bring in Steve Nash because like to me it seems like all right, obviously like Steve Nash is very well respected, but they had to bring in somebody that KD and Kyrie respects. And like, to me, and also don't respect. <laughs> but to me, it's like it's like you're bringing in a babysitter to make sure that they don't get too upset with you guys. Like, 
That's what I'm. They're banking on the players alone, and that's not the way to do it. And that's why I appreciate what the Knicks are going through now, building you know from the ground up with the front office, working on the coach, trying to get the right coach, and building a culture in there, not just succumbing to whatever your star players will say. And and that's my thing right now is I feel like if the Knicks if the Nets do well next year, people will clown the Knicks for it. And like I mean, obviously that's to be expected. And I mean, at this, but like to me, like I, I've said it before, like it doesn't bother me anymore because at the end of the day, like the Nets being good or being bad does not, does not, it's not going to change how I feel about the Knicks. Like it's not going to make me more upset about the Knicks. Like the Knicks are an independent thing and they have to figure it out themselves. And like I remember last summer when like Katie and Kyrie, Katie and Kyrie initially went there. Um, and Kid Cody. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't burger it. Um, I just remember thinking like, yeah, like maybe this could be a blessing in disguise down the road because like, the reality is, is that even if they did get KD and Kyrie, they'd be good for a, a couple of years, and then when once that was when that little era was over, they'd be back to the same old Knicks kind of thing. And like, not not to say that anything that they're doing now is a given to success, but I think by trying to build it organizationally instead of based on a player or two players in this case, um, you have a longer chance of sustaining success. And I don't think the Knicks want a repeat of like 2013, 2012, uh, 2012, when they have mellow here and it's a great year, but it fades quickly. Like, I think they want to build something longer term. Yeah, of course it would fade quickly when you're signing guys like Kurt Thomas and Marcus Camby. Um, I mean, and Jason Kidd, I mean, jumping into like a win now kind of scenario when it was never necessary. Um, I I don't think mellow was as disgruntled as he was towards the end, but um, it seemed as if they were they were trying to get Melo just one good year, you know, and that's kind of what what we talked about before with the New York media putting pressure on um, organizations like that, where they they need to be good now. They, like you need to be good now. We're New York. Like we will always be New York. We've already established we're New York. And, and it's like, just get the best. Play- like because everyone's seen the Yankees be so good. It's like, just go out and get the best players like, oh, we make a playoff run. Um, let's go get young Carlos Stanton one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Let's go get him, and let's be good. Let's be better than good. Let's destroy every team. But not every sport can work that way. Um, and I'm, I appreciate that what the Knicks are doing right now and the patience from the home fans in New York. And the thing is, is that, like, I think, like, in most cases, like, the New York fans don't display any patience, no matter who it is. Um, like, we're, like, we're going to talk about it a little later, like, Jets and Giants fans, maybe not Giants fans as much, but I mean, I see it on Twitter. Like, Jets and Giants fans are ready for this draft for quarterback reasons, and I just find that ridiculous. Like, people are ready to throw Kevin Knox in the garbage, ready to throw RJ Barrett into a trade. Um, the only reason that the Yankees get away with it is because their young players like contribute and win, but they have a sound organization. Um, right. Their farm like, I think. Really yeah, and I like. I think that both all the other teams in New York are 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 hoping and putting their faith into players and not realizing the strength, uh, like how much, how much of a difference a like consistent, sturdy organization makes in a team success. Um, cause maybe like, cause like Melo didn't fall off, but the way people talked about Melo after New York, because of what was around him and the dysfunction around him, like it changes the whole narrative. So, I mean, like, and I still think like, depending on what happened with Katie's injury, like if Katie didn't get hurt, there's a better chance he's coming coming to the Knicks and he could have found someone else to come with him. Um, I'm I, that's, I, that's no basis. That's just what my gut was at the time. But I mean, if, if we're being realistic and you were Katie 
and Kyrie, you you see the same things that we see. Like you see a organization that the only direction is you if you go there. Like you see a coach who obviously does not know what he's doing and now works for ESPN because of it. Like you see you like you see all those things around the organization and like people say that oh Dolan has to go for them to be good. And like I don't find that necessarily to be true. Um I think that his problem has been bringing in the wrong people and I feel like every hire they made this offseason is well respected and we usually think that way and then it crashes and burns somehow. So I'm gonna but I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt at this moment. Um but from a last summer perspective, you can definitely see why why Katie and Kyrie obviously uh, aside from ducking the pressure, went to Brooklyn. Um, but they never stopped talking about it since, and I find that kind of funny. Yeah, for sure. And also I wanted to comment on, like, just, like, I I, th- I think we did dodge a bullet not getting them, and I think um, it definitely would have been, uh, to use your wording, like a Band-Aid on a situation. But the way they spoke on the podcast about um, getting rid of Atkinson and getting Steve Nash, it's, it's this new age of players who like, like the importance of a coach on any team is grand. You could have a great prospect at quarterback in Sam Darnold and a bad coach or multiple bad coaches uh, could, you know, tear that down. And, uh, the, the lack of like people thinking Steve Nash was such a great hire because he was such a smart player and um, them not even talking about that on the podcast. They're like, they said he knows the game, but what they were really worried about was like, you know, how, how well the relationship will be between the coach and the player. How much of a leash they'll have. Yeah. Like if, if they're going to be calling the shots and calling the plays, then what is Steve Nash really there for? That's free money. So um, I think more smart on Steve Nash's part than on the Brooklyn Nets of going and taking that free money, uh, regardless of how bad the team does, um, instead of, you know, the Nets, like, making a good coach hire. I mean, even, like, they literally said, like, oh, Steve Nash is a great hire, and then also said, like, five minutes later, like, to be honest, like, we don't really need a coach. Like, sometimes I could be the coach. Sometimes KD could be the coach. Like, what's that even mean? Oh, I mean, that- delegating the coaching role. <laughs> but also, like, Ridiculous. no, you can't because, like, that's – because you have to play. I have to explain that. What is this? Nineteen sixty-four. What are they, Bill like, Russell? They're not Bill you, Russell, bro. Can you imagine if KD and Kyrie came to the Knicks and said that shit? Like, said we don't need a coach. But, bro, you understand that to be that the headline for the next fifteen weeks while while you have a head coach in place, like, I'm not even sure they'd kill. I'm not even sure they'd kill them at first. Um, until after they, I, I feel like New York would eat all that stuff up. And now KD and Kyrie are talking now. I, I, there's no bad press coming from the Nets about it, uh, but it's podcasts like us that have to bring attention to how stupid these two guys are. Sorry to say stupid, that was mean. But how like how insane they're acting um, as star players with their egos. Um, but they they the New York like the tri-state area would eat it up. And it, they they love you know this New York attitude of them you know saying that they can run the plays they can call the shots and then when it blows up in their face which I'm predicting it will then they clown the Knicks and, you know they set it up and they put the Knicks on top just to bring them down bro and like it's anything is ammo it it's just it, it's ridiculous and it's always gonna be like that that's the thing 
I mean, until I mean, it always will be, and then it'll be the flashy thing to do to like the Knicks when the Knicks are good because it'll be the most clicks and like absolutely, do like until Lamelo Ball is our savior. Speaking of Lamelo Ball, um, <laughs> yeah, let's get to that. We've heard we've heard reports. Oh, I have one more thing to say on KD. I mean, on KD and Kyrie okay. first, just because the way that the Kyrie, Kyrie, the, Kyrie, the way this guy Kyrie, uh, well, I did it again. The way this guy Kyrie is talking, Kid Cudi, <laughs> Kid Cudi, the way Kid Cudi is talking about, uh. LeBron James, I didn't really appreciate it. Um, he's, the way he's insinuating that he's never had a player who can hit the shots in the big moments um, besides him is just so disrespectful as if this guy was not sitting in the lottery every year um, when he was by himself. <laughs> and even when he had all those that talent in Boston, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, he he was losing in the same spot or before that, like the second round. So I don't understand why he... And then they didn't have him and made the Conference Finals... Both times with that, <laughs> and he's and meanwhile he's playing forty games a season. I just I like I love Kyrie's game like as like a player like he's the most fun player to watch when he's healthy. Um, and like, 100%. I don't like want him to be injured. Like I want to see him play. I want to see how that works out because he's that special of a player. He's a he's an artist as he calls himself. But um, <laughs> I just don't like I like I like we know you're good. Like you don't have to like say like oh I like you like all right LeBron James was your teammate you won a championship because of LeBron James like you hit the big shot we know but also like relax cuz you were you would never be near that by yourself so all right uh, that's yeah to be kept in perspective um but we're what we're going to transition to is quickly like a little bit of Knicks talk um and the first topic we had in in mind was we saw last week LaMelo Ball initially decided to go to the the combine for the NBA draft uh, a few days later, backed out. We saw interviews from him in the combine, basically like not really talking about what teams he talked to, um, besides saying the Knicks. So many people are thinking that this is a a PR stunt to try to dissuade teams from picking him to push his way to the Knicks. And for me, I'm like fifty fifty on that because while it would be cool to have Lamelo Ball in a Knicks uniform, one I'm not. I'm not sold enough on him as a prospect to mortgage so many assets to go get him. But also, mm. and primarily that, like the second thing is that with him doing that, and if teams know that he just wants to go to the Knicks, the price only goes up. So I, I mean, if they, if he, if on draft night itself, like we're watching the draft and he starts falling to like four, then maybe it's like, all right, pick up the phone and see what you can do. But I don't think that the Knicks, I don't think LaMelo is guaranteed to be good enough for him to force the next hand like this and then for it to backfire. I don't think they can afford that and where they are. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all of a, it's all a question of if he's worth it. And although he is, um, obviously the highly, the highest touted, I mean, besides Anthony Edwards, the highest touted, um, prospect in this draft. Um, we have no clue of how that'll translate into the league. We saw his brother do great, um, in UCLA, and then come to the league, and now he's vying for, you know, most improved to where I still like Lonzo Ball as a player, but his performance has not lived up to, um, you know, the number two pick of a draft in which, uh, you know, like a Donovan Mitchell was a part of. Um, and a Kyle Kuzma, who, you know, is making a finals run, although he has LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, still, the expectations, <laughs> he might not even get a ring, but the expectations, um, you know, are high for their number two pick of that draft. So, um, I, this seems like a not as loud, um, but you know, same concept of a big baller brand, big baller brand ploy, you know, to get where they want to go. They, I, I mean, th- when they came on first take, 
when LeVar Ball, the last time he was allowed on, you know, first take or any of these shows, you know, he would throw names like the Knicks. They would throw New York up at them. And like I said before, New York always gets, um, you know, that number one pick or like the top prospect. They throw the jer- their jersey on them, the New York jersey on them. And and it's like a push to get them. And it's like if, if you're not getting the guy who everybody thinks you should get, then you're wrong, you know, and God forbid LaMelo blows up and then we got to hear about it for the next couple of years. But, um, you know, if we don't pull the trigger on that, but I, I mean, it's up to, you know, the scouts to evaluate and see if he is worth giving that up. Um, I myself would have to, you know, see a price. Um, like you said, if he does fall, um, how the price drops, you know, waiting for leverage like that. But um, LaMelo's not doing a great job of putting, you know, the Knicks in a good position to, um, you know, be selling uh, so much for a guy of his caliber. And for me, like, I'm, if I'm the Knicks, like, I'm looking at the trade that um, Dallas made with Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and I'm not exceeding that price at all. Um, that trade was, what, Dallas first and a future first. Um, and I think, like, if you're the Knicks, I don't want the Knicks touching any draft asset, for, especially if you're drafting LaMelo Ball this year, I don't want the Knicks touching any draft asset of their own from next year. Um, especially in a draft that could be so loaded. I don't think it makes any sense. Um, the, most of the, I'd be willing to like trade maybe the two picks in this draft um, and maybe maybe the Dallas pick next year, but even that feels like a lot for something that's not... A, like even, A lot of people who know the draft and follow the draft closely have Killian Hayes and LaMelo Ball like neck and neck as prospects. And I think right. like a lot of the hype around LaMelo Ball is like obviously like Lonzo, Big Baller Brand, LeVar, the ball in the family, all that. Like you watch him name. grow up and people want him to be like have next. And like I think I want him to be good, like but and if the Knicks were in the position to draft him, he'd be a no brainer. But we have to be also be realistic in terms of things that he doesn't do well. Um we know that we know that he's a elite passer, um, like a, a as good of a passer as coming to the league in the last five to ten years. Looking at it, uh, maybe besides like Luca in that same category of passer, uh, and maybe his brother. But we also know that he shot almost like forty five or forty percent at the at the rim, which is mm-hmm. terrible. Um, shot twenty five percent from three. Obviously, people talk about rebuilding his jump shot, and that's being done. But even the jump shot he's rebuilding does not <laughs> look great and consistent. Um, and people say that, oh, the jump shot will come because he has great touch. And I'm, I just don't know if you making a 20 foot floater means that you can make a consistently make an NBA three pointer. And, and even like defensively, his motor, like it's questionable. Like that was never with Lonzo. People say he was a bad defender, but his effort was never questioned. Like Lonzo, LaMelo's effort has always been in question. Um, so it's not, it's not a slam dunk. And I just don't think people should be treating it like that just because, It'll be a very next thing to do to trade the trade the future trade their future for Lamelo Ball and for him to be, even if he even if you make that trade and he's Lonzo like I'll be happy with that player in a bubble like, but I will not be happy with the price that you have to pay to go get him. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the price that you're paying if you're gonna go get something that's legit. And he's like he's not guaranteed to be legit. And that's not me saying I don't like Lamelo Ball. Like I think Lamelo Ball can be good, but I the price is the key. Like if it's a future one future pick, like you can do it for a team that wants to move out for cap reasons and like do it. But otherwise, like that may be a move that I'd stay away from. No, yeah, it's, it's deservedly. So you, you should be hesitant. Um, 
you know, to give up that much for um, what he is, um, especially after, you know, all the great offseason moves you made, um, allegedly, you know, how highly touted all the guys you brought in were um, to throw away what, you know, pretty good prospects you have now and in the building and the rebuilding that you're in um, for a, a not guaranteed, you know, superstar, a, a transcendent great player. You know, there's only a few players you would give up so much for, you know, to go out and get the first pick to go get and um, to throw your franchise away, unless your plan is to build around this kid, um, wouldn't make sense and wouldn't be smart. Like if it were- But I don't think the Knicks will. I mean, I don't I don't think they'll do that much because they've they've been making such smart moves and, um, you know, not only just building for just building for like right now or trying to win now, but, you know, building for the future. No, I agree. Like, if it was next year and it was Cade Cunningham, it's like a no-brainer, like, do it, right? right. But it's, right. he's not, like, he's not that. And that's not saying, like, I don't want it to get twisted by saying, like, me thinking he's going to be a bust. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you have to you have to analyze how much risk you're putting into it. It's not like you have the second pick and it's a no-brainer. Like, he's just sitting there. Like, if that pick, not only will he be bad, not, if, if he doesn't turn out, like, not only is he not the player that you expect him to be, you also just lost two or three first round picks and doing so. So especially when you bring in like Walt Perrin and you say you trapped your, your, you, you trust your new like drafting people, you draft, you trust your scouts, all that, like give him a chance with eight, 27, 38, like see what he can find. Um, I think, and I think like that's going to be a theme of the next off season is just like making calculated risks and calculated investments. Um, and another name on that same note that, We've heard the Knicks. We've even heard that the Knicks were had already had an offer sheet planned out for this player, um, Fred Van Fleet, Toronto. Um, and now reports come out today that someone close to the Knicks strongly disagrees with that sentiment, and that people think that. So I guess that means that they're maybe not as interested in Fred Van Fleet as we thought, or that he's not. They're not willing to pay that price, which for me is it is a happy thing. Um, just because like I like Fred Van Fleet as a player, but I feel like the Knicks have a history of giving players like I I don't think that he's as proven or I'm as comfortable with him as other people might be, um, or worth a contract maybe his previous seasons made demand right because people are talking about for Toronto to keep him um, upwards of twenty million dollars more in like the twenty two range, and do you want to pay Fred Van Fleet twenty million dollars a year for the next three years? And the argument for it that people have given is that if you do do it, like, and he plays at like the same level he's been playing at, like that contract's easy to move and it's an, it turns into an asset. But at the same time, we've seen so many players come to New York and fold. Um, and I don't think that with, with a, with Thibodeau there, like with an actual system in place now that that'll be more, that is as likely to happen, but that price range just makes me a little questionable. Um, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I do think the price is pretty big. And also, um, you know, there's so many avenues that the Knicks could go through. Uh, you know, like a trade for Chris Paul, which you seem to be on the bandwagon of. Or like um, who they draft. Um, a lot of these things could impact whether or not they go after uh, a Van Fleet. But uh, I'm, I mean, you love to have a whole lot of. Um, scenarios that 
you can go down. You don't like to be pigeonholed, you know, and have to and be forced to do things with the Knicks have in the past uh, where they've had to pay, you know, guys who didn't who didn't really des- deserve or demand that ki- the kind of money that they did. But um, the Knicks just throwing the money at them, you know, to get them to try and win as soon as possible. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad if they went in the direction of Van Fleet. Um, we, we have seen him perform on the highest level. Um, and, and maybe he has, you know, time to, to get better in, in a different role in New York, um, thrive, you know, not behind a Kyle Lowry, um, playing maybe the point guard position more, um, even though he can score with the best of them. I like Van Fleet as a player and I think he's fun to watch. And I think, um, there's a kind of energy he brings to a team, uh, that you can't teach in a lot of guys, My- but, um, that price is very, very iffy for me. My thing with this is that, like, I think when people hear that twenty million dollars a year, like, he, like the Knicks are paying him and expecting him to be, like, the guy, or, like a star or something like that. Um, and I don't think that's what this move is. I think that the Knicks realize that they haven't, they haven't had a legitimate starting point guard since like Raymond Felton, when Raymond Felton was actually good, <laughs> and like two weeks of insanity in between, maybe. Um, a borderline also. But like, like that you. Obviously, like I don't think that your best player has to be a point guard, but the truth is that you do. You need a stable NBA point guard to run to set up your offense if you want to have any chance of being successful. And it's only it. It's bad for RJ. It's bad for Knox. It's bad for if you want to play Frank off ball for Mitch. All those people. If you have, first of all, a point guard who can't space the floor like Alfred Payton, but also not a legitimate NBA caliber point guard. Um, so I think it's a combination of not saying that he's gonna be a star, but like with the mark with the with the all season being weird with salary going down, like it's the perfect moment. And it's like kind of the conversation of opportunity cost at that point. Like if you bring in if you like if you bring in Fred Fleet, no, you're not gonna be a playoff team, but he raises the floor of your team right now. He he provides spacing, he helps he he can run the offense, he's a solid defender. Like he'll make it easier for RJ, Mitch, all the young players, which is what which is what they should be doing right now. Like they should be bringing people who make it easier for the young players. And they have options of that at all different price ranges and all different type of, like, and different ranges to excel your team. Like, we talked about a possible Chris Paul trade, um, which people are saying seems very likely. Um, and they they bet on it happening more than they bet it wouldn't. So right. take that for what you will, um, especially with many suitors for Chris Paul fading into the wayside uh, by the day. Um, but that, that's the <laughs> tier one option, I guess you could say, because uh, while the money is more expensive, um, it's – shorter term and your 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 team your ceiling is higher right. and fleet and it's been proven that your team will you know get better right. and improve right and then you have Fred Van fleet which is the middle option which he might not make you that much better of a team but he'll make you look more competent like you'll have an actual stable point guard right um and then mm-hmm. there's like the tanking option which is like a dj augustine or something like that like uh a, a point guard who, like, Tibbs has experience with, a good shooter, like, can run an NBA offense. Nothing, like, special, though. Like, you're still going to be bad, but it gives you some kind of stability there. And, like, for me, I, I want to stay away from that because, like, people thought that's what Alfred Payton could be this year. And that traumatized me, basically. Um, so, <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't want to – I want to stay far away from that. But, I mean, I think that maybe, maybe not for this price, as the reports say, but if the Knicks can leave this offseason with – Fred Van Fleet or Chris Paul or even drafting a point guard. Um, like my preferred scenario would be draft Killian Hayes at eight and trade for Chris Paul. 
Um, and I think that's sure. absolutely perfect. But I mean, I, the Knicks have a lot of ways. The thing for me is that the Knicks have a lot of ways to go right now, but there's not many ways that they can blatantly mess it up. No, yeah, they got they got a lot of opportunities, and I mean, they can take shots anywhere, um, you know, and it'll affect the rest of their build. Um, you know, in hindsight, I'm sure everyone will be able to look back and see, you know, whether or not it was the right decision to make, um, and what you had to do. But, um, but I do, I do like that they have so many options open, and it's it's exciting to see the Knicks, um, you know, building like this, which in what seems to be the right way. Um, but now, with that being said, we're going to transition to teams who appear to be building it the wrong way. Um, so. <laughs> One more than others that you can you guys can figure out who. Um, we this is our debate segment that you guys have been uh, asking for. Uh, we have two quarterback prospects, um, evidently the same age, one with a, one more year of NFL experience, but uh, equally shaky results so far this year. Um, in Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones, and obviously me being the Jets, Danny Dime. Say his nickname. Say Sam Darnold's nickname. Danny Fumbles. Um. Not Danny Dimes. What Sorry, say Sam Darnold's nickname. Do you have one? No nickname for Sam Darnold. <clears throat> Isaiah one, Mike zero. Go ahead. The Sanchez. Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, I just so it's gonna be interesting because we obviously have an emotional tie to both of these quarterbacks, and we have a lot of confidence in them that other people looking out from looking from the outside uh, might laugh at us for. Um, and we thought this conversation was perfectly fitting, especially with the conversations of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence flying around. So, Jesus, <laughs> would you like to would you like to bring in your opening arguments for Daniel Jones? All right, my oh my arguments for Daniel Jones. Correct. Um, I, you know, I have nothing to defend yet because I know I, I do know what you're going to throw at me and how rough it is. But I'll say this for Daniel Jones to start this season. Give my client a chance. Let him live. All right. This is this is his this is his second year, you know, and and it's it's been rough on him. Sure, um, this past week against the Rams, he seemed to be making one of the greatest game winning drives I've ever seen live, and um, you know, and, and threw the ball away as he does, as Mike will bring up. But this is the first year he's been given the reins. Um, you know, really, where he's the number one guy. They, he's been elected captain by the rest of his teammates this year. Um, and he's got a good attitude coming into this season. Daniel Jones do, did turn the ball over a lot. He hasn't fumbled as much this year as he has thrown the ball away. But he's uh, – it seems he's going in the right way. I think a big thing about Daniel Jones is his decision-making – and not if it's good or bad, but how quick it is. Um, same as Sam Darnold, he does have, you know, great giant linemen. Um, and he's faced the best of the best this season so far. Um, running directly at him, um, especially with the way Andrew Thomas has been playing uh, the past couple of weeks as well. Let's not talk about um, him versus Mekhi Becton. Um, that would be a great debate. He, he, ha- he has been. It wouldn't be a great debate. It would be a debate you'd win. That's why it'd be so great. But um, just give it a couple of years. You can't just judge guys so quickly. But Daniel Jones Daniel Jones can make every throw. Like, we've seen sparks of greatness as we have Sam Darnold. Um, 
and he he is more mobile than Sam Darnold. And I don't care. I don't care what you see. Go ahead and bring up the run against the Broncos. I don't care. There's no edge rushers on the Broncos right now, but um, Daniel Jones, like without a run game this year, um, the the Giants' offense is offense is obviously going to look stagnant because we have our generational running back in a Saquon Barkley um, who can average a thousand yards behind one of the worst lines in all of football. So um, without, you know, having that, that he did last year and he was expecting to come into this year with, it changes up the offense. And with him having the helms and getting together with Jason Garrett this year, it's been rough on him. So that's how I'm going to defend Daniel Jones right now. I think something that was very telling, Your Honor, um, was the uh, the way this guy immediately defended the turnovers before I even said anything. So I think because I, I know how you're gonna get me, bro. I'm like I'm like B Rabbit in Eight Mile, bro. I already know how you're gonna diss me, son. So I gotta attack that. If you kill you, you, you kill yourself before anyone else can kill you, then it, then you win ultimately. Well, still lose, I mean, but win. I think that you have a great point right there um, about shooting yourself in the foot, right? Not not Mexico Bears exactly. Another giant. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> but I think what do people say that turnovers are, are are terrible for your football team, and the whole the whole goal of the defense is to create turnovers and. When they see Daniel Jones on their schedule, they circle it and they say, "Hey, we can get at least three fumbles off this kid." Um, <laughs> and hey, we can get some turnovers. <laughs> you know that thing we're supposed to do? We can get them again too. Oh, we're gonna turnover chain for this week only. All right, cool. Thank you. Um, but I saw a stat that um, Daniel Jones is on pace, starting all sixteen games, of course, to throw for eight touchdowns this year. So, I mean, he's throwing a touchdown every other game at this point, which is a uh, Alarming, I would say. I mean, and that's part of my argument for Sam Darnold is that I think we and Isaiah both can agree that the people calling the plays for both teams might as well be me and Isaiah playing Madden. Um, but especially with the... I'd be running the ball a lot more. <laughs> oh, man. Four verticals? Are you crazy? I wish he ran four verticals. Um, throw up the steam? I mean, there's no one to throw it to. But, I mean, that's the next part of my argument. The Jets, for the three years that Darnold's been there, has had the 30th or 29th ranked O-line. For all three years, he's throwing the ball to Chris Hogan, Braxton Berrios, uh, and me on occasion. Um, but Mike plays for the Jets, if you guys didn't know. That was, I was the only reason he was in that game the other day. Um, yeah. Anyway. They wear helmets, you'll never get. <laughs> you had no idea. Um, anyway, I, I think, like, and I think that I, I wish they – like the Jets had a running back like Saquon Barkley. I mean, you could argue Le'Veon Bell and that even if they had Saquon Barkley, Adam Gates would know how to use him, which I would agree with all of your points. Um, right. But, I mean, I, if you just look at talent around him, I think we can definitely give the edge to Daniel Jones. Um, if you want to talk experience, Sam Darnold gets the, the edge of that they are the same age. Um, I, And I think, like, Sam Darnold, I think that, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without like making it sound like I don't like Sam Darnold. But right. I think like Sam Darnold has all the talent in the world. Um, but I do think that regardless of like the dysfunction around him, there are moments where he misses a throw or he misses a read. Um, and maybe that's because of how panicked he is in this system. But I don't know if those thing, kind of things are reversible. Like I know that Daniel Jones can hold on to the ball, like can work on that or maybe he can't. Cause you would have thought that he would have tried something by now. Um, but 
because uh, Isaiah was raving to me all all season how he's gonna he's gonna put two hands on the football and every time I see this guy he's running around with his pinky on the ball. Um, well, listen, you didn't watch last week's game because this man. I mean, he's the leading rusher for the entire team. So, is Sam so he's not he's not doing. <laughs> Sam Darnold's not leading his team in well, rushing on Thursday night football against the Denver Broncos. He was the leading rusher with forty seven. Yeah, okay, I'm talking about for the entire season mm-hmm. for all four games that we have lost. Sam Darnold has ran. I mean, ah, Daniel Jones has run the most. Gosh, oh, I said in here. Um, I mean, this is what I want to say about Sam Darnold. I think we can both agree that. Um, you know, especially in his first season and coming out of, um, then he, he went to USC, right? Same as uh, the Sanchez, but, um, we can both agree that coming out, um, coming out of college and in their first year, um, in the league, in his first year in the league, um, he did have a lot of potential and he did look good and, um, even better than like, uh, Baker Mayfield who had been struggling earlier in the season until most recently. But, um, I mean, Sam Darnold can make all the throws. Sam Darnold can do, um, Sam Darnold can do, can, I mean, he can move, we saw against um, the Broncos. That was the most impressive but I think, I've ever seen by a quarterback. Oh, my God. Of a certain skin. I mean, the, <laughs> oh, better than a Josh Allen run? You're out of your mind. I don't know, have you ever seen Josh but, Allen run for 47 yards into the end zone? I mean, he, I've, seen Josh, I've seen Josh Allen throw 300-pound men off of him. Speaking of Josh Allen, the ground. this guy broke his wrist in my – my already broken fantasy season was almost completely down the gutter. That, that would have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he came back down. Um, but listen, what I'm saying about Sam Darnold is I think he was good, and I think he was better than maybe Daniel Jones was. But the way he's trending right now and the way the Giants and the Jets are both in the sweepstakes um, of getting Trevor Lawrence and seeing that Sam Darnold has spent more time in the league um, and has had more of a chance than – Daniel Jones has, um, I think the Jets will probably be quicker to move off of him because he has dig- uh, digressed. Uh, he has looked a lot. He has looked a lot worse over the years, and maybe his team is getting worse. I mean, injuries did pile up this season, um, but like you said, he, he's missing throws and he's forcing throws too. Now he is he does come under a lot of a pressure, but like he's just throwing the ball to the other team like. All, he, he's thinking he can make plays, the plays that he used to make, but he doesn't seem to be the same guy. Right. His footwork looks bad. He seems scared. That's that's why he ran so far. Nobody expected him to run. It wasn't a designed run. It's because he was under attack and had to blitz and had to run out of there. I mean, I think if you look at Sam Darnold, like, I think that – I think, one, I agree that it will be easier for the Jets to move off Sam Darnold just because I think he has more value on the open market than Daniel Jones would. Um, so right. that that definitely helps your decision yeah. that you can just move him, but at the same time, like I, I do believe in Sam Darnold, and I think that the reason that he forces throws at times is because of a mediocre supporting cast who can't create space. So, like, if you if you have Chris Hogan who's not really separating, like you're gonna have to try to force the ball into a tight window, and or Barrios, right? So, like, that's a, a factor in it, and also like you look at him and. Even what Thursday night they, Makai Becton's hurt. Le'Veon Bell is hurt. Um, the dude apparently the guy who's supposed to be, the 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 safety Herman. the safety net for him. Not even Herndon. They bring in what Kalen Balaj. They cut him today. Like, oh lord, yeah. Gase is a goofball. But um, <laughs> it's like you look at that and like regardless of that, like the, obviously the Jets are bad, but no turnovers. Throw for like two hundred fifty yards. Like um. 
a pretty good completion percentage. You look at that, and it's just like, if he can do that with absolutely nothing and terrible play calling, like, if you give him stability, the potential is, is all there. And, like, I feel like that's something that people aren't really taking into account, and that's kind of frustrating for me. Like, he... No, I feel like if he had the stability, he would be there, but I feel like, you know, not to change up what the argument is, but it's more of a trust in organization, you know? Because talent can only get you so far. I mean, that's fair, but drafting Andrew Thomas to protect him and being one of the worst-ranked offensive linemen in football doesn't help you. (laughs) Yeah, as of so far, in the first couple of games, you think Michael Michael Orr was great out of Ole Miss immediately? They made a movie about him. I know. (laughs) Andrew Thomas will get his movie one day with Sandra Bullock. So so did Eric Flowers. Um, I don't know. I just, I think this is a very, like, it, it, it's funny because we have our in, in very strong opinions on this subject, but regardless, it's a sad debate because right now they're both look like a joke. So us defending no, them. They do both look bad. Us defending them. I mean, I, this vehemently yeah, is not, a, is not a, a great look. Yeah, I mean, it won't help. This won't get to any of the front offices. This won't get to Gettleman. Oh, I hope so. Oh, <laughs> Joe Douglas, if you listen to this. Get Adam who I thought was making great moves. I, thought, I mean, listen, a lot of things go wrong for the Jets. If they had a CJ Mosley, you know, the team would be better. If they um if they were fully healthy, a Le'Veon Bell who was prized for a great season, they'd be a lot better. If the Giants had Saquon Barkley, they might have won one game so far. I keep, I keep seeing this <laughs> I think they've got a lot more left to build. I keep seeing this guy on Twitter and he keeps going like like every like a couple days he goes, in all seriousness, has anybody heard from Denzel Mims? Like is is he alive? Like what, what's going on with this guy? And I just think that's so funny because I would love and dude, and then someone like obviously Darnold got hurt. Um and everyone was like and then some guy on Twitter was like, Oh, like I- I'm scared now that we'll never hear like Darnold to Mims in our Jets career. And I was like, dude, don't say that. Like you guys are, you guys are already throwing Darnold to the wolves. I mean that's ridiculous. Um, but that's like we're talking about. That's how New York media is. Oh, man. And a team they've pushed to be the greatest since the creation of the league that they are in would have to be the New York Yankees. Uh, those Yankees. A team that we can watch and, and think that they might win. A thing that we are watching. A team that we are currently watching right now. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> and then win. They, they, they went to Cleveland. Um and all, apparently all the games were supposed to be in Cleveland. I didn't really know that at the new format, but that was a cool little thing. Um, so they went to Cleveland, and we were scared about staying <laughs> We were scared about Shane Bieber, and um, Shane Bieber should have been scared of us, frankly. Uh, absolutely teed off uh, an impressive performance. Cold looked, Cole looked sharp. Um, and then they go into game two, and they were on the ropes a few times, but Gio Urshela, the – People were talking about Andujar, like he was going to be the third baseman of the future. And this guy, Gio Urshela, off the scrap heap, turns literally grand slam that puts him back in the game. And the people, the play that people slept on was that double play that he turned. Like, and the level of difficulty. Diving catch, yeah. Starts, like, yeah, he's, he played ridiculous in that game, in that closeout game. Um, you know, the Colombian savior that I can tell, uh, thanks to my mom being from Colombia. Um, but he did play great, and this is this is the thing about the Yankees where we didn't see it in this shortened season, but, like, full health, all their guys out there, the the amount of names and the amount of bats um, 
that if we get on the ball, if everyone is clicking at the right time, it just shows that uh, being the underdog or not, like in a full season, if this team comes together, they're they're supposed to be the best team in all of baseball. Right. I mean, after the World Series last year, everyone had like the Yankees are always in those Vegas polls. Right. And it would have the great odds. <laughs> Hopefully the best odds this year. Um, I mean, we like we were very happy to see the bats wake up. The one thing that was scary for me a little bit was the bullpen. Um, like J- Jonathan Loisica, like I-, I think he's a good pitcher, but putting him in that moment <laughs> and those moments kind of makes me question a little bit. Like I'm just comfortable with like Chapman and Britton. I mean, I don't know why they're they're shying away from Adovino, but they have been after giving him that contract. Um, mm. I- the thing that scared me was Tanaka, though. I mean, I'm not scared because Tanaka tends to bounce back and has always been solid in the playoffs, but to see him kind of get lit up like that early, I mean, it was only like four runs, right? But, I mean, still a little bit of an alarm. Um, on- oh, yeah, I mentioned nervous because the Yankees, you know, they hadn't really had their bats, um, like, fully locked in. They weren't they weren't really playing great. So you thought, oh, here we go again, and we're falling back in this. And to claw out of that um, seemed tough for the Yankees, who, you know, got beat pretty bad in a couple games. This right, and they, they need Tanaka to be the Tanaka of, that we know and are accustomed to come playoff time, right? Because if they're Cole, it's pretty much a, we know what we're going to expect from him. Um, and we need to not be that number two because behind that, it's a lot of question marks. Um, I know Isaiah is excited because Davy Garcia is going to be making uh, his, I love that his kid, playoff man. debut tomorrow in game two against Tampa Bay. Um, but that's not a sure thing. It would be great for the Yankees if he was the same pitcher in the playoffs, but even we saw him in Boston get, he was, yeah. get rattled a little bit. Um, so it'll be really interesting to tell. I think the bats are what's going to be the story. Um, and as as we're recording right now, I mean, as they're both watching, um, they're up 2-1 currently in the fourth inning. And Aaron Hicks, I don't know. I, you might be behind me. No, I don't know what kind of line drive up the middle. I saw it. But I think that, I mean, for a team – I don't know. I don't know how to look at Tampa Bay because the Yankees struggled against them all year. Um, there's been te- obviously right. there's been a lot of tensions between these two teams, uh, dating back to a few weeks ago with Chapman throwing at batters, uh, people bat flipping home runs. A lot of a lot of baseball right. is being thrown at uh, opposite jerseys with these two teams <laughs> this yeah. year. So, I mean, the, the intensity is there, division rivals, but for some reason the Yankees could never beat them this year and it just seemed like Tampa Bay had their number. So to see them they were like eight and one. Yeah. So to see them jump out to an early lead is very promising. And then we look at who's doing the damage tonight and it's well obviously besides your guy besides the sack fly from Aaron Hicks, uh Clint Frazier. I mean absolutely an absolute bomb. And people were wondering if they were gonna shy away from Gardner come playoff time. And I guess I mean I think that their thinking is for the most part that Gardner play against righties and Frazier play against lefties, which makes sense. Um, but mm. I mean, and Gardner, to be fair to Gardner, definitely had a great series, had hit a home run, had some big hits. So, I mean, I think that platoon is very safe. But again, tonight we see Higashioka catching Cole. And I mean, I don't, I mean, he didn't kill them at the plate because they're scoring a lot of runs. But, and if anything, right. they can always pinch it with Sanchez. But I mean, I like, I'd like to see your best nine hitters in the lineup but i mean who who knows where they go with this series what do you do you have a prediction for this series um 
obviously, you know, when you, when you watch what happened in the regular season, you cannot possibly predict that it'd be an easy one for the Yankees to pull out, um, seeing as how bad they beat them and how bad um, Cold and, and Garrett Cole didn't do that great in the regular season against them. Um, but last year, he did light them up. And uh, from what we've seen in the first series against Chicago, we Garrett Cole is becoming – um, you know, he's stepping up. He's he's filling that role of the ace that they need him to be. And um, that's that's my only – I don't really – I don't know. I don't have a prediction for this because I don't want to say that they'll lose handedly or they'll only get, you know, like a game. But I think the Yanks – I think the Yanks will pull – I think the Yanks will lose one game, but the way that their bats have been turning, I, I, I'm really – I'm excited. I'm excited the way they're hitting right now as we're watching, uh, but it's really up and down for me. But obviously, I hope for the best. I just, I just don't know how to judge how good the Rays are. Like, I don't know how to judge how good a lot of the teams in the American League are, frankly, just because the season was so short and like, it's not. It's sixty games is a lot, but it's also not a big enough sample size to figure out what's legit and what's not. And to get in a groove, baseball is kind of different than other sports, right. you know? So it's all about getting hot at the right time, and the Yankees appear to be hot. So if they can get any support from their pitching staff, we should be in for a long run in October, which is which is uh, something that we're not used to playoff sports here around these woods. So, no, not in, in the way of our jork. Um, but that concludes another episode of the Shoeless Joe's podcast. I mean, I think we got a lot of sports in there. We got a lot of topics today, so. I think uh, whatever your your taste is, I think there's definitely a segment here that you'll enjoy. Um, as as we said, like we really appreciate the feedback. A- any feedback helps. Like we'd like to incorporate things that you guys will think and just give us a different perspective that we might not already have. Um, so to do that, you can obviously reach out to us. But if not, you could reach out to us on Twitter at Shoeless Joe's Pod. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at DJ Smoothie Seventeen. <laughs> reach out to us if you know us <laughs> you watch the podcast but if you're from if you're from anywhere else um please follow um the shoeless shows pod at on twitter you know give feedback we want to know i i mean we want to know what you want to hear obviously um we have a kind of brand in which we talk about new york sports and whatnot but um we we really are uh, we really are sports fanatics in general and we can we can talk about a lot. These are just the things we feel most passionate about. Um, but we do care. I mean, you can't get to every, you can't get to everything in the, the entire sports world. But um, we are avid watchers, listeners, and followers of um, most sports. Don't come in here talking about no high school lacrosse or nothing. Uh, I don't mean to get rid of listeners early, but like early. We're I'm not, sorry, we're not. We're an hour in. We're not into that at all. We're not touching that at all. Keep. I don't care if it's the only true American sport. <laughs> we're not touching lacrosse for a second. I mean, I mean, we can even talk WWE in the future. We never, you never know. <laughs> depends. Depends. Oh, I said sports, not theatrics. We're not talking the theater. Uh, well, we're talking sports. Well, we're talking about Kyrie, and he's an artist, so anything's on the table. <laughs> oh, that, bro, that guy made me so mad. Thank God he's not in New York, Nick. And on that note, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, did you plug your stuff, Zay? Or are you not doing that? No, I don't want to plug myself. I, I, I want to put the podcast foremost. Um, and I don't want my girlfriend catching any new followers on my phone as she gets updates 
uh, weekly. <laughs> weekly. Well, you know what else is weekly? The Shoes Joe's podcast. So we'll catch yeah, you on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. We'll catch you on next week. Trouble double double. Trouble double To come Rosie, tell me to come So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son She said the lift doesn't run, run up the stairs and come And if you don't come quick, you're not gonna know that's fun So I grab a bunch of rose and that Trouble double double Trouble Sweet. double double